is simplifying your schedule. Simplifying your schedule. Thank you for putting church into your schedule this morning. You are here because you've put time aside to honour God and that is very much appreciated. You know, some might say, well, a message on you know, scheduling, well, that's for, that's for somewhere else. That's for a, a self-help book or for some other, you know, special event. But for church on a Sunday morning, you know, maybe we should be focusing on something spiritually deep and meaningful. But I want to suggest that this series, not only this series, but this message is one of the most important you could hear. This morning, I am talking about your life. I am talking about how you live your life. I am talking about your schedule and how to better manage it. To become the person that God intended for you to become. Now, the truth is, life is busy. Let's not disagree with that one. Life is busy. And I'm going to run through a few things. And you may identify with some of them, if not all. And I can tell you, I've identified with literally all of these at different times of my life. But the fact is, we have deadlines. We have to-do lists. We have work obligations. <laughs> we have meetings and projects to complete. We have emails to respond to. Phone calls to make. And then there's home life. All right? There is laundry to wash. I know what that's like. Oh, it's tough. Shirts that need to be ironed. <laughs> Thank you, Dorothy. <laughs> I so appreciate Dorothy ironing my shirts. I know someone who actually gets a, gets a dry cleaner to do all their shirts. Uh, interesting way of living life. Then there's lawns to be mowed. Men and women, of course. <laughs> the dog's teeth need to be cleaned on a regular basis. Yes, they do. I can tell you that for a fact. <laughs> it needs bathing and has to be walked. Shopping needs to be done. Who can forget the shops? Garages have to be cleaned again. <laughs> then there's the dentist, the doctor, the dermatologist. And don't forget the banking and all those dreaded bills. And when the day is done... When you get to put your feet up, hold on, you've forgotten something. There's dinner to be made. There's food to be cooked. Lunches to be prepared for the next day. And don't forget Facebook. Facebook needs to be updated. All right. Um, Twitter's, Twitter needs to, this feeds need to be read. Uh, photos need to be uploaded to Snapchat if you're under 40. All right. Um, Homework and assignments need to be done if you're a student. I'm, I'm getting puffed out just talking about it. Weekends come. We haven't talked about the weekends too much. And there's soccer games to attend, netball tournaments to, uh, to go to, swimming lessons to be at, Lions game to go to. Not. I vowed and declared the last time I went a few weeks ago that I'd never go again. Oh... I don't know. The fact, the fact is, many of us are busy. We are busy people. The fact is, though, some of us are so busy that we're in trouble. We're in trouble. And how, how do we know if we're in trouble in our busyness? Well, here's a couple of uh, things to consider. 
Is your life a mess? Do you have piles of mess at home? Do you have things that have accumulated on your desk? Have your stress levels risen in any way, shape or form? Is your peace and joy disappearing? And nothing meaningful is really happening. Does anyone relate to this at times in their life? I certainly do. And the fact is that as so many balls are up in the air, one or more is bound to fall, which results in lost sleep, health deterioration, bills getting missed, is intense at times, high pressure for environment, meetings to attend, projects to complete, deadlines to meet, emails to respond to, phone calls to make, and it goes on. And then, of course, all of us have a home, and in that home, there is a lot to do. There is laundry to wash, shirts that need to be ironed. And all the men said, thank you to their wives. Or the women say, thank you to their husbands <laughs> for ironing my shirts. Thank you, dear. It's a it is a special thing. I despise it. Uh, so I'm thankful that I have a lovely wife that looks after the ironing. Lawns to mow, women. That's right. Come on. No. Uh, lawns to mow. The dog's teeth need to be cleaned. I know. I live in that world. Oh, the dog's teeth needs to be cleaned again. Oh, please. Surely not. And then they need to be washed. And how do I know their teeth needs to be cleaned? Has anyone had that experience? Oh, when you've had that experience, you understand what I'm talking about when I talk about dogs' teeth needing to be cleaned. Garages. Oh, the arch enemy of my life. They constantly need to be replenished and cleaned and fixed. I don't know what it is about those garages. They keep drawing me again to clean. Then there's the dentist, the doctor, the dermatologist. And don't forget to do the banking and pay those dreaded bills. And of course, there's shopping to do. Don't you just love going to Woolworths and buying groceries? And, <laughs> and when the day is done, you thought you could put your feet up and relax, but no, you've got a meal to make. You've got, you've got to make someone a meal, whether it be yourself or your husband or your family or what have you, or your wife. Uh, that's right, there's more men cooking these days. Hands up men if you do the cooking. It's, there's a few of you. Out of 500 people? No, that's, a, that's all right. And of course, there's assignments to be done if you're a, if you're a, a student. And uh, I have to mention that, being a teacher. All right? So make sure you do your homework, students. All right? Don't forget. It's important. And there's soccer games to attend, netball tournaments to go to, swimming lessons. I'm puffed out even just saying all these things. And then, of course, very important, there are Lions games to go to. I don't think I'm ever going to a game again, actually, after this season. Oh, boy. We are busy. We are so busy that some of us are actually in trouble. And how do you know if you're in trouble? Well, is there a pile of mess accumulating in your home, in your workplace, on your desk? That's a little hint that you might be in trouble when it comes to your overscheduling, scheduled life. Perhaps your stress levels are up. Your blood pressure's up a little bit. Maybe your health is deteriorating because you're, not, you're neglecting other parts of your life. Maybe you're not sleeping very well. 
your peace and joy just don't seem to be uh, the same as what they used to used to be nothing really meaningful is happening these are little evidences of a, of a life that's slightly out of control now all of us have been there and done that at times but I wonder if you're in that season right now and you know when there's balls in the air and you're trying to juggle life is busy it's inevitable as I see with all these jugglers inevitably you know you, you see these guys on the side of the street the buskers and they're throwing balls up in the end. You think, I'm just waiting, waiting, you know what for, for one ball to drop. And inevitably they do, either by choice or by accident. But in our life, the ball does drop from time to time. And that leads to far more serious implications. And Carl mentioned that last week about our emotional life being depleted, about how we feel. And yes, we become sleepless and we lose uh, contact with key people in our life we our relationship with God suffers and falls by the wayside just to highlight and illustrate this point I remember as a child and as a very young child watching reruns and I say reruns of I Love Lucy anyone remember that show I Love Lucy she was a character to illustrate this point let's have a look at a little clip that highlights what life can be like at times Right, girls. Now, this is your last chance. If one piece of candy gets past you and into the packing room unwrapped, you're fired. Yes, ma'am. Let her Perhaps this morning you can write a little bit to, you, to Lucy. Uh, <laughs> the treadmill, which I call life, is getting faster and faster. Have you noticed? Some of us have become so busy that it's, we're out of control. We don't know how to keep the chocolates <laughs> packaged. We can't handle the roller coaster that is happening called life. And who you want to become is a long way off. You know, I can relate to this. I can relate to that clip. There have been seasons in my life when the treadmill of work 
has become so intense, so engaged, so uh, consuming that all I focused on in, at a, in a season in my life was work. I was working long hours and other important things began to suffer. My health started to suffer. There was another season, and it was not so long ago, where all I seemed to do was renovate. Anybody been down that road? I'm going to renovate. And you start to paint, and you start to write down all these things and these jobs that need to be done, and years, and years, and years later, the list just doesn't seem to disappear. And I remember going through a season of all I seemed to be doing was planting plants, digging ditches, uh, painting this wall, doing that. Oh, look, I think you can appreciate where I'm going with this. The bottom line is that it was all consuming. And it impacted life. It impacted people in my life. It impacted, again, my health. A number of years ago, though, I, I, I started to realize that I needed to change. I needed to make, to do some important, make some important decisions, I should say, around who I wanted to become and what my schedule was to look like. I needed to unclutter my life. I needed to simplify my soul, replenish it, and make room for what is important, what is really important for the essential. I wanted God to be in my life again. I wanted him to move in my life. I wanted to be used of him. You know, I'm still a work in progress, but this morning I've learned a few things and I want to share with you a couple of key ideas that will help you and help me continue along this journey to living an uncluttered life. This book, and certainly a book uh, back in 2009, 2010, really helped me as well. It was this book by Wayne Cadero, a great man of God whom I highly respect, wrote this book and a powerful book about his own testimony of, of how he recovered from an overscheduled life. And I highly recommend that, along with this book here by Bill Hybels. Let me ask you this question from the outset of this message. What is your schedule like? Is it overcrowded? Are you happy with how you spend your time? Is it a run fest, moving at pace, moving quickly, with very little time for what's really valuable? The good news is that there is an answer. There is a way through. And with God's help this morning, I, I hope to show you a couple of keys that will help you to unclutter and simplify your life. It's not going to happen overnight, but I'm believing that from this day forward, perhaps, your life can be different. You can begin to move in a different direction. A ship does not arrive at its destination by turning its rudder, but it will eventually get there. I guess it ultimately depends on how far it is away from port. But the point is that today could be a pivotal day for you in terms of where you want to be and who you want to become as a Christian. The Apostle Paul had some powerful words around this subject. He said this in Ephesians chapter 5, and I'm going to read from the New American Standard. I like to interchange a little bit between the NIV and the NOSB, but the bottom line is he said this uh, in Ephesians 5 verse 15. He says, Be careful how you walk. Not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. So then don't be foolish, he says, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And he goes on. Understand 
what the will of the Lord is. Billy Graham said this powerful statement. He said, the greatest waste in all the earth, which cannot be redeemed or recycled, is our waste of time. God given time that he gives us every day. You know, how do we make the most of the time that God has given us? How do we claw back what I call margin in our life? How do we gain back time to do what really matters? And that's the focus of my message this morning. And from the outset, there are essentially two things that we need to do. But in the overarching sense of the word, we need to, what I call, triage our calendar triage our calendar, a medical term, a medical term which means to, in effect, uh, I guess, determine who needs medical help, who really needs medical help, who is the person that will live because they receive medical help. You too have finite resources. You too have a finite resource called time. The talk, the clock, okay, beg your pardon, is clicking. And how you spend it will require you to decide on what is really important to you and put it into your calendar or schedule and commit to doing it, which is the hardest thing to do. Some things may need to be rescheduled and some things may need to go. Throughout scriptures, I've found that there are a number, a number of examples of men and women of God who've done exactly that who've looked at their calendar and gone, is this really what God is asking me to do? Is this really where I'm meant to be spending my time? And then there's a transformation that takes place where they start to do and move in the direction that God has called them to. I want to touch on the Apostle Paul. And I know Duncan shared powerfully about the Apostle Paul some time back. I'm not going to uh, talk so much about his early life, but the fact of the matter is that the Apostle Paul had a triage uh, moment in his life. Of course, he was converted to Christianity and ended up de being determined in his pursuit of God and in the purpose that God had given him. And it's been discussed, as I mentioned. Paul loved Christ. We know that. He said, to live is Christ. My life is Christ. He says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. He said, I am compelled by his love. His priority was loving God and loving people. There was no question about where his priorities were. He was given mission to preach the gospel to many regions in Asia and Europe. You know that so well. He was on his missionary journeys and there were three in all. He, was, uh, he saw so many people saved through preaching the gospel. He saw churches commenced. He spent long time, uh, a long time with different groups over the years. But interestingly, in the early part of AD 50, and Paul, there's some conjecture around his age, but he was, in essence, in his early 50s around that time. And he felt compelled at that time in his life to end his missionary journeys. He felt compelled to say no more to those journeys and to go to Jerusalem and then ultimately to Rome. And in Acts chapter 19, the scripture is up on the screen for you. He says this in the NIV. He says, after this had all happened, after he was preached the gospel and saw people healed and, and wonderful things happening, he says, Paul decided to go to Jerusalem, passing through Macedonia and Achaia. After I had been there, he said, I must visit 
Rome also. From Acts chapter 19 and 20, we hear of him doggedly, doggedly moving in the direction. And as he was traveling, he passed through Ephesus and he said these words to the elders. So as he was moving in that direction, he went to the elders of the church and he said some interesting things. And in Acts chapter 20, verse 22, he says this, And now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me. I can only, I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. <laughs> if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus had given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace, a powerful, pivotal a dynamic message that really highlights Paul's desire and ability to triage his calendar. He said, I am not no longer going to be visiting you. He was talking to the Ephesians and you read it through uh, the latter part of Ephesians, uh, sorry, of Acts chapter 20. It says that, that he was saying goodbye to them. He was saying that I have a new direction in my life. This is the direction in which I'm following. And the Bible even says that there were tears. There was mourning. There was great sadness over him leaving. And why? Because it says that he said that he will, they will never see him again. This is it. This is the end of my journeys. You may hear of me through letters, but you will not see me again. Paul conducted three missionary journeys, but it was all coming to an end. Even though there were ongoing needs in the churches, there was no question there were desperate needs. But at a fairly young age, he triaged his schedule. He made a significant decision and choice in the light of what he believed God was calling him to. So how do, how do we triage our calendar? How do we do it? Because simplicity cannot be achieved without clarity of purpose, without understanding the big picture things in our life. And so to create a schedule that reflects the most important life goals, you must begin by answering a question, a powerful question, a question that Paul himself asked, I believe. Who do you want to become? Who do you want to become in the next season of your life? Who do you want to become in the next season of your life? What do you want your life to look like? What matters most to you? What are the highest priorities when everything is stripped away? What really, really matters? What really matters? And are you pursuing it? You know, once we answer that question, our schedule then becomes a tool in our hands to help us do, do what matters most. And for Paul, his priority was clear. I'm going to Jerusalem. He announced to the churches, I am going to Jerusalem. I am going to Rome to share the gospel to those cities, to present gifts, to represent Christ in significant courts. Paul knew who we wanted to become, what he was meant to do, and he made changes to his schedule in the light of that. You know, I remember when I was a young man and I was in a dead-end job. I was a debt collector. 
And I say that because I hated the job, I'll be honest. I disliked it immensely. I worked for a finance company, and what a fun job that is. Knocking on people's doors and asking them for money. I carried baseball bats and knuckle dusters in the back of the car just in case. No, I didn't. I was actually a very, I was a very gentle person. I knocked on their door and I said, would you, would you mind giving me your money? No, I had to, I had to, I had to say, if you don't give me your money, we're going to have to conduct legal action to recover it. We're going to have to dock it, your pay. And uh, look, I had all the skills and talents around that, all right? The gift of the gab, as it were. And yeah, I was okay at my job, but I hated it. And I especially came to a place where I thought, I am in such a dead-end job. It was on Christmas Eve. And at 4.35 in the afternoon, true story, I had to knock on someone's door on Christmas Eve. And I said, knock on the door. And they opened and, yes, I'm Darren from Avco Finance. <laughs> I'm here to ask you for money. I need $135 or whatever it was for, for you to repay your debt. You're 60 days overdue. And I said, they said, it's Christmas Eve. I felt like Scrooge. I felt like there was an angel standing there going, Darren, do you see what sort of person you like? Asking for money on Christmas Eve. You're a rotter. No, I, look, <laughs> that angel was pretty harsh on me, I thought, at the time. But the bottom line is, I knew I was in a dead-end job and I needed to make a change. And after a lot of prayer, a lot of thinking, a lot of <laughs> planning and consideration, I announced to my wife one morning, I'm going to become a teacher. I was in my 20s. And she said, wow, that's amazing. How would you get to that place? I said, well, I've prayed long and hard and I just sort of felt like that's what I'm meant to be doing. But it wasn't easy. I had two young children. I, we, had a, we, were, we were living in a little unit. We had debt. There was, it was going to be tough. But, the only, but in the end, I decided, we decided that we were going to do it. We were going to pay the price. We were going to do that course. I needed to go back to uni full-time for a year. I had to get a different job, a part-time job, a job that was going to look after me around uh, outside of uni hours and what have you. And in a nutshell, I did it. And the only way I could do it was that I actually looked at my schedule and put it in. I said, right, that's what I need to do. My schedule was my tool to help me achieve who I wanted to become. That was many, many years ago, 25, 26 years ago. And you know, I don't regret it to this day that I did that. I don't regret doing that course. Now, let me ask you this. When we're talking about who you want to become, we're talking about priorities this morning. And very briefly, I'm going to touch on a few. But let me ask you this. Maybe you're in a dead-end job. Perhaps you need to put into your schedule a course that will move you closer to who you believe God has meant you to become. Perhaps you're in financial difficulty. Perhaps you need support in that respect. You know, we're running a cap money course at the moment. Humble yourself and say, hey, I'm going to do that course. 
because I need help. I want support. I need financial advice. How's your marriage going? Is that an area that you need to invest into? Is that a priority for you? Well, I say it should be. I know a person who's currently struggling in their marriage. I'm sure you do too. And in their life, there is a Christian testimony. There are children. There are young children. There are years invested in that relationship. But it could potentially come crashing to a desperate and terrible end. Maybe you're, you're in that boat right now. And my encouragement to my friend and to you is if you are in that situation, please, I beg you, open up your calendar and put time in your schedule to get help, to get counselling, to get support. As a first port of call, perhaps talk to Pastor John and see what the church can offer and then beyond that, get support outside of the church. You do whatever it takes. Isn't it worth the effort? I know others who, who really value their marriage and there's one particular couple at work that I know of and, and uh, they're always talking about Friday night. Friday night's their night. It's their date night. It's in the calendar. It's in the schedule. There it is. Date night. The kids know. They give a wide berth because it is in the calendar. I remember my parents, Friday night was their date night too. Now, how do I know that? There's a fiver, Darren. Go to the shop. <laughs> what, do you, what do I do with the fiver? Use your imagination. Get a burger, get some chips and a Coke. I'm sorry, doctor. I humbly apologise about talking about this. But the fact is, for two or three years, it was a fiver every Friday night. Now, that was pretty expensive for them because they had four sons. <laughs> it was not easy, but they did it. What are you doing to preserve and grow a very important relationship in your life? Let me ask you this question. Is coming to church a priority for you? Well, obviously it is. You're here today. Thank you for coming and making church a priority because it should be a priority. Two hours on a Sunday is well worth your time. Why? Why? Well, there's so many answers to that question. So <laughs> Perhaps it is to hear an inspirational message sometimes. I don't know. Uh, maybe it is to worship worship together nothing more wonderful than corporate worship maybe it is to comfort someone maybe it's to receive prayer I wonder if you need prayer this morning if you are here today you're meant to be here for the very purpose that you're going to receive prayer maybe you've got intense acid reflux it's beyond normal come forward for prayer maybe you've got scoliosis of the spine. Maybe you are struggling in an area of your life that's out of control. 
I want, to, I want to encourage you to come forward for prayer. We're going to close the service in just a few minutes. Come forward. People are here that can comfort you and encourage you and pray with you and minister to you. Perhaps you don't know Christ. You, you're not a Christian. There's no time like today to just say, hey, I think I'm ready. I think I'm ready to engage with Christianity. I think I'm ready to give my life to Christ. I think I'm ready. Or maybe there's some burning questions. By all means, there are some experts who linger around the front after service, not including not about myself necessarily, but people who know things and they can support you and help you around that. What about your time with God if you're a Christian today? Is that in your schedule? I hope it is. Time to read his word, time to journal, time to pray. It is an absolute must. It is in actual fact, I believe, your highest priority. As I went through my own, I guess, reflection around this topic, I was reminded again about what is most important in my life. I answered that question. Who do I want to become? And I thought at the top of my tree, I want to become a follower, of genuine follower of Christ. I want to know him. I want to understand his ways. I want to serve him in the gifts that God has given me. In conclusion, getting close to the end now, an important part, I believe, of moving toward who you want to become is learning to say no with grace. Now, we've all may have seen that movie, Jim Carrey's Yes Man, where he has this amazing encounter with this guru and he's prayed for. Remember that? It's a bit stupid. Very stupid, actually. Um, and uh, he, he becomes, he, all of a sudden, from going to, from no, everything he says is yes. Can you give me 10 bucks? Yes. Can you drive me somewhere? Yes. And he just says yes to everything. And in the beginning, it's all wonderful and fantastic and he's doing wonderful things, but then it all starts to go haywire for him. He starts to lose his way and things start to fall apart and that's what it's like if you're a yes man. Most of us hate disappointing people. I, I don't like to disappoint. But at some point, we need to realize that, if we, that we cannot say yes to everything. And attempting to do so risks what matters most in our life. You see, when we say yes to something, we're saying simultaneously no to something else. And as we live our life, we are constantly bombarded with decisions about work, about home, family, church, and it is difficult to say no. It's, it's awkward socially. It's hard to do. But I want to pray for you that courage comes upon you to say no where, when it invades your highest priorities, when it encroaches upon what's truly essential and truly important in your life. Oh, the Apostle Paul, don't think for one minute that he did not feel the pressure of the churches and their need for an apostle, for him to come and encourage and bless and minister the gifts of the Spirit and touch them with, with powerful preaching. But he said no. He said no. I'm going in a different direction. I know a father who planned a special date with his 12-year-old daughter. Her name was Cynthia. And he planned it down to a tea. They were going to their, her favorite restaurant, they're going to go shopping, then go to a movie and have dessert at Gelatissimo. I can say it correctly. One that's just opened just up the road from us. 
And as they were heading towards the Chinese restaurant, an old university friend called up, saw him and said, hey, I haven't seen you for ages. Oh my gosh, it's amazing. We were good, good buddies back in the day. And, you know, look, why don't you come out for dinner with me? Why don't you come out for dinner with, with my wife and I? We're going to a, a seafood restaurant somewhere special. I know it's impromptu, but would you like to come? And the daughter, Cynthia, was standing right there. And she began to get a little nervous, a little bit concerned around this. Because she thought her father was possibly going to cave in. And he said this. Robert. It's great to see you, and dinner would be great. And when she heard that, her heart began to sink. She thought, oh no, I don't even know these people. This is our day, this is our special time together. But not tonight. Not tonight. Cynthia and I have a special date planned, and with that, they left. And years later, Years later, her daughter recalled this in her journal. She said, that was an unforgettable night. That was a pivotal night in our relationship. She said this, it was the night that bonded him to me forever because I knew what mattered most to him was me. Keith Drury wrote this, the discipline of simplicity moves us towards the essentials. This is not a light message. In conclusion, I just want to leave you with one encouragement this morning. Just one. One encouragement. Triage your schedule. If you have grown distant in your walk with Christ, put time in your schedule for Bible reading, for prayer, worship if your relationship with your spouse has morphed into a strictly logistical arrangement what's for dinner who's taking such and such the netball game then please carve out some time this week put it in your schedule time with my wife time with my husband to have an honest chat and say questions like how are you going how are you going really? What is happening in your world? Dare I say it, how can I be a better husband or a better wife? If money is an issue for you and there's no relief in sight, swallow pride and talk to a financial consultant or sign up for the CAP course. If there's an out of control health issue, that's affecting your ability to experience some peace. Will you finally say enough? Enough is enough and make a change. Do something about it. So at the core of this message is a single question, a single question that only you, only you can answer individually. Who do I want to become? Who do I want to become? Devoted husband. Loving father. 
excellent teacher, debt-free, healthy, active, energetic. Who do you want to become? Gracious, quick to forgive, generous giver. Perhaps it's to be spiritually strong, a servant doing what God wants you to do. Perhaps this morning you want to become a Christian. You want to make that threshold leap into Christianity. It's not too scary. It's just saying, yes, Lord, I want to begin to follow you. I want to begin to understand you. I want to begin to to honour you. I want you to come into my life. Help me to understand you. There's no time like today to receive prayer and answers to some of your questions. So finally, this is my encouragement. Take a fresh look at your schedule this week. How do you explore your time? Look at it and make time. Carve out time for what really matters. Commit it to God. Lord, this is my schedule. Help me. Give me wisdom around what you want me to do what is really important include rest in there that's another whole aspect of your priorities and begin to do it begin to do what you have put into your schedule so that you will become you will move one step closer this week towards who you believe God wants you to become Let's all stand together just for a moment as we close this service. I'll hand it back to Carl in a moment. I'd like us all just to just close our eyes. Heavenly Father, I just invite you to come amongst us this morning in a powerful way. Help us to understand what you're saying to us individually about the next season of our life. Give us wisdom around this question. Who you want us to become? What are you speaking to me about? Help us to prioritize. Help us to give time to that which is important. Life is short. Life is delicate. Life is challenging. We need your wisdom. We need your love. We need you to wash over us afresh. We need a sense of direction. We want to honour you today, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You can take your seats.